Hi, and welcome to Grow Highly Favored Podcast. I'm your host, Veronica Edwards. Grow Highly Favored Podcast is a show about spirituality, self-worth, and self-development. It's about self-love. It's about meeting yourself where you're at, on your journey, and working through life's difficulties, pain, self-sabotage, learning to leave the past in the past, and forgiveness. It's testimonies, sharing life experiences, and storytelling. It's learning, it's expression, and it's growth. It's speaking life. It's believing you are blessed and highly favored, especially when you don't see it or feel it. So come on, listen in, and let's see where the Holy Spirit guides us. Today I want to share a story with you, and I'm going to call this story A Walk on the Beach. On November 9th, 2012, um, I went to church to hear two different speakers. It was a Saturday afternoon and they had this uh, special event going on where they just had two guest speakers coming in. But to tell you this story, I'm going to have to back up about three years prior to that. So um, three years prior to that, my grandson, he's about three years old and I was babysitting him. He was laying on the bed Uh, on his tummy, taking a nap, and I was laying beside him, kind of propped up, reading my Bible. And I got to a part in the Bible that I had never read before. And the verse was Matthew 10, 37. And it said, Whosoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus says, Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Basically, it's saying that If you love anyone or anything more than you love Jesus, you're not worthy of Jesus. And so I was putting my hand over on the baby's back softly and I'm kind of patting and rubbing his back and uh, I'm talking to God and I'm like, so I love this baby. I know that I love this baby with all my heart. I would lay my life on the line for this little baby. I can touch him, I can feel him, I can pick him up, I can receive love from him. And God, you want me to love you more. I can't even see you and I'm supposed to love you more? And so that really got me thinking and I I actually, I closed the Bible and I'm like, I I just need to close this and I'm going to have to think about this because if I can't love him more, if I know that I can't really do that with all my heart, love him more then is there a need to go any further? Should I continue to read this Bible? Because you can't punk God. You can't fake God out. He knows everything. He's God. I can't pretend like I love him more. So I closed the Bible up and I was like, you know, meditating on that. And I don't know, a couple days go by and I'm in my room and I'm cleaning and I wasn't planning on even talking to God in the moment and but next thing you know I'm crying and I start talking to God and and I'm like okay all right God no matter what if I lost everyone I love if I lost everything I own tomorrow I know that I'm still gonna love you like my heart is still gonna love you I'm still gonna follow you and that I'm gonna be committed to you So 
Now we're going to jump back forward to that Saturday afternoon in November when I went to hear these two speakers at church. Now the first one was a woman, and she spoke about a love story in Solomon. And the second speaker was a man, and I can't remember what he spoke on, but I will never forget what he did at the end. When he got done speaking, he said he wanted to do an exercise with the audience. There was roughly a hundred people there, give or take a few. And um, he said, I want everybody to take out a pen and paper. And once he made sure everybody had that, he said, I'm going to tell you a story. And when I get done telling you this story, I want you to just write down the first thing that comes to your mind. I don't care if it's the word Pop-Tarts. If that's what you got, write it down. So he begins to tell the story and he says, I want everybody to close your eyes. He's like, now, I want you to imagine that you're at the beach. And for me, that was really easy to do because I spent a lot of time on the beach. And so I I was there. The waves are crashing in, looking at the sun glistening, and its reflection on the water, seagulls. I'm I'm there. I've got that that imagination. I'm at the beach. I'm walking. And he says, you're walking down the shoreline. And as you're walking down the shoreline, you start to notice a man's walking towards you. He said, and as this man draws closer, you realize that it's Jesus. He said, he just passed you. What did he say? And that's what we were supposed to write down. So I wrote down the first thing that came to me. It's okay. It's all going to be okay. And then I thought, wow, well, that's kind of simple. Like, I wanted something deeper, something more meaningful than that, I guess. I don't know, because I was closing my eyes, and I was, like, trying to think really hard. Like, I wanted something else besides what I wrote on that piece of paper. But I could not think of one other thing. Not one other word came in my mind. So the man says, would anybody care to share what they got? And there was a lady in the very first row, and she went to that church, and she stood up, and she said, yeah, I'll share mine. And he goes over, and he puts the microphone over there to her, and she says, she got that I have forgiven you. And she said that that meant so much to her, because her whole life, since she started walking with the Lord in a way that um, she felt like, could she really be forgiven for everything she had done? And that when she heard him say, I forgave you, and that that meant a lot to her. Well, he asked again, would anyone else care to share? So I'm looking around the room, looking behind me, and um, side to side, and no one is acting like they want to share. And I'm like, oh my gosh, man. So I've been an instructor before, and and I know what it feels like to be up in front of people talking and to try to get their engagement and draw them into what you're doing. And so I kind of felt bad for this guy. So I'm thinking, "Uh, share yours. So I raise my hand and as he's walking back towards me, I say, well, mine was really simple. And he puts the microphone over there in front of me and I start to say, well, all I got was it's okay And before I could get the words, it's all going to be okay out of my mouth. 
I pretty much said them like this. It's all gonna be okay. And I'm ugly crying in front of all these people. I don't like crying in front of people. I don't really care to show too much emotion in front of people, especially strangers, people I don't know. And now I am flat out ugly crying. Every emotion I had betrayed me. And I am ugly crying in front of all these people. And this man says, I feel like I should pray for you. So he puts his hand up on my shoulder. Wait, I, I believe he did ask me, was it okay to pray for me? And he, he put his hand up on my shoulder. And, and I'm thinking inside my head, oh great, now he's touching me. And I, I'm in a church where, and you know, everybody behind me, everybody's turned around looking at me. And I'm still ugly crying, heaving and stuff. And with the shoulders heavy, in and out, up and down. And, and he's like praying and as he prays he stops what he's praying and he says I feel like God is putting on my heart and my spirit that your assignment here is to help the broken you help broken people and when he said that oh my goodness the tears flowed more the shoulders were up and down more and I was the ugly crying just really was was on it was on so I'm ugly crying and I'm like I had my daughter living with me with my grandson who is now six years old she was pregnant with her second child it was a horrific pregnancy we were going just two days later on Monday to her appointed time for a um a c-section the baby was coming breech and her last ultrasound, they had found a growth on her uh, left ovary in her tube, and they were going to remove that. She had been in and out of the hospital the whole pregnancy, being dehydrated, extremely dehydrated, sick every single day, sick on the way, would get sick on the way to the hospital to have the C-section done just two days later. It was horrific, and it had really taken a toll on me. At the same time, I had a co-worker and a friend staying in my garage who was trying to escape a abusive spouse. So um, he was right on the money there. I, I was um, helping broken people, helping them to the point that I felt like they were breaking me. And so I'm crying and this man says, He prays some more and he stops again and he says, I feel like you didn't just get a message from Jesus when he passed you by. I feel like you got a message from God and that God gave you an anchor and your anchor is that it's going to be okay. All of it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. And so then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to sniffle a little bit and I'm calming down some and it went from like you know, a full-blown ugly cry with the heaving and stuff to... And I'm catching my breath and I'm thinking, wow, you know, like I was looking for something else in a message and my little message that I thought was so simple ended up being so profound. And so I go home and 
I feel so much better. And, you know, of course I think about it over the next couple of days, but I'm also preoccupied with thinking about this baby. My granddaughter's coming. And so the mor- Monday morning comes and my, uh, one of my coworkers comes over. I always refer to her as my spiritual mother. Um, I'm a hairstylist by trade and her and I were side by side at stations for like 10 years. And, uh, so anyway, um, when I turned those 10 years, uh, when I wasn't thinking anything about Jesus or the Bible and I was, you know, doing me, um, she would always, she was never judgmental and she was, she always just had a way of, of putting little things out there, just little things that would come back to you and make you think a little bit. Not that it changed me right away, but they stayed with me. And, um, so she had came over, she lived in the neighborhood. Our our shop was a local shop in the neighborhood. And she had came over to the house that morning and my daughter and her and myself and my grandson, we stood around in a circle in the living room. We held hands. She prayed over us and prayed over my daughter and the baby and that asking God, you know, just to make all of us, make all of us safe. They would have a safe trip to the hospital, that the baby would be born and there'd be no problems and, you know, that everything was just going to be great. And I had just gotten that message two days earlier. I wasn't worried at all. Everything was going to be okay. And so we get to the hospital and we're all in the same room at first and they got my daughter hooked up to the monitors and, um, we're hearing the baby's heartbeat and, you know, they're getting everything ready. And next thing you know, they're ready to wheel my daughter to the OR room. And my coworker takes my grandson and takes him to the waiting area. And the one nurse tells me to follow her and uh, she takes me to a little room and I'm, I'm putting on like the, the paper scrubs and the paper bonnet thing on your head and the mask and the booties. And the only thing you could see left of me after that paper outfit was my eyes. And so she leads me into the OR room and I go up there um, by my daughter's head. And they had um, kind of like one of those green uh, or blue colored... Um, hospital gown colored things like draped across the front of my daughter like where her chest is so if you're sitting down or you're laying down where she is like she can't see anything they're doing to her I was allowed to actually stand up and I was by my daughter's head behind that but I could see everything they were doing I could see everything that was going on and I I watched them as um I didn't really see the incision that the doctor made, but once she was reaching in for the baby, I could see that. And so she's reaching in for the baby and she's got her hands around her and she's starting to, you know, like pull a little, like tug a little. And then she's flipping her one way and she's turning her back the other way and she's pulling a little bit again and she's not coming out. So she ends up making a little bit more of an incision and she lifts my daughter's um the flap up of her abdomen and she kind of peeks inside and she says something and it turns out the baby's umbilical cord has been wrapped around her neck twice and she ends up cutting the umbilical cord and getting the baby out now when she took that baby and had her in her hands both her hands 
And um, she was completely lifeless. I watched them take a completely lifeless, limp baby out of my daughter and hand it over to the, I guess, the neonatal doctor. And they put her in the little crib thing, the little clear acrylic crib thing that they had in the room. If, if you were at my daughter's head, my daughter could have turned towards her right shoulder and seen the crib, but she couldn't see what was going on inside of it because the doctor was standing in front of it. And then there was a nurse over to the side of it. Now, she's not crying. She was lifeless. My daughter didn't see the baby's body and what she looked like when they handed her to the other doctor. My daughter just knew she wasn't crying. And for me, standing there, my daughter's on that table and that's my baby that's cut open. That's my baby that they're getting ready to go into and take that growth off of and I'm kind of like torn and I just was like, do you want me to go to her? And she's like, yeah, mom, go to her. So I walk over and I stand in between where the nurse and that doctor was. And the doctor that was at the head of the baby was, um, she was, had that little, uh, cup looking thing and, and it was connected to the bag and she's got that over top of her mouth and nose little area and she's taking her fingers and she's squeezing that bag like she's trying to put air in her and and breathe it breathe into her I guess and um she stops and she goes to feel her pulse and she puts the stethoscope down on her chest and she looks over at that nurse standing at the side and she shakes her head no and then she does it again she puts that little thing back up there and she's squeezing that bag and trying to push breath and or air into her again and she does the same thing again with her pulse and her heartbeat, listening for a heartbeat, and she shakes her head no. Now, this time, I'm not turning around to look at my daughter. I'm trying to block in between these two people so that she can't look and see what's happening. Of course, there's still no crying going on in the room like there normally is when a baby's born. And at this point, I, I don't want to look at my daughter because even though all you could see was my eyes, if I had, my daughter had saw my eyes, that's all she would have needed to see to know how serious what was happening was. And I stepped back away from there for a moment and I closed my eyes and I started talking to God and I'm like, God, you just told me it was going to be okay. Two days ago, you, everything was going to be okay. And then for some reason, like for just a second, my mind went back to that day in my bedroom with the baby and the and the Bible and when it said loving him more than anyone else. And I just kind of thought about that for just a second and I was like, it will be okay. Like I knew that if the worst case scenario was going to happen in that room, just in that moment, that it was still going to be okay. It was going to be hard. It would have broke our hearts, but it was going to be okay. And the moment that I thought that, the tiniest little noise that had not been in that room up until that time, I heard. And I opened my eyes and I glanced over at that little crib and my granddaughter was moving around. 
And that little tiny noise very shortly later turned into a full-blown cry. The kind of cry that you hear normally when that baby first comes out. And it wasn't long before they had her cleaned up and wrapped in a blanket and putting her on my daughter's chest. And and I tell her this story. She knows this story. And she's nine years old now. And I always tell her about, like, her eyes, you know, like, kind of scared me, too, because it was like there was no white in her eyes. Her eyes looked like they were, her eye color is almost, like, black anyway. And um, I told her, it was like, there was no white. It was like your the whole inside of her eye was black and kind of scary looking, to be honest. And um, so but she was okay. She was so okay. And my daughter, after having a C-section, and they ended up removing not a growth because the growth was attached around her in a way that they removed her over, her left ovary and her left tube. And two days later, they both came home from the hospital. That's how okay they both were. And it was amazing. And, and I am forever blessed and forever grateful because... The last nine years that I've got to have a relationship with this little girl has been some of the best years of my life, some of the best memories that I have. And um, so anyway, I thought about this walk down the beach many times. And just a couple of days ago, um, I was thinking about it again sitting on my front porch and so I did it again and I closed my eyes and I was like you know will I get another word will I hear something else and I did and I heard my child and it just made my heart smile and so I thought that I would do that with you today and so today I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and I'm going to ask you to be on that beach Take a walk down that shoreline. Can you see the seagulls? Can you hear the water crashing, the waves crashing against the shore? Do you see the shell remnants laying across the sand? There's a man walking up towards you. And as he gets closer, you realize that it's Jesus. He just passed you. What did he say? If you enjoyed today's show, please follow, tune in, and share with your friends. I'd love to hear your feedback, ask any questions that you may have, make any suggestions. This show is for you. And remember, in a world full of hate and love, in a world full of evil, be good. In a world full of lies, be honest. And in a world that is blind, choose to see. Until next time, sending you love and praying for you all.